so welcome back everybody to the Total Therapy Training Podcast, a podcast where you accompany me on my journey through traditional Chinese medicine. So today I have a very interesting guest and I can't wait for you to hear her story. And that is Nicola Porter, sorry, from uh, Points of Interest. Nicola, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We had a little informal chat the other day and you are one incredible lady. So I can't wait for listeners to hear about you. <laughs> I'm no different to any other person. Okay, so Nicola, my first question. Please tell us about yourself. What is your story and what brings you here? Story is a really long one. We haven't got time for that. <laughs> Who I am, introducing myself, that's always the hardest thing I ever have to do. Um, I'm an acupuncturist, a complementary therapist, an holistic practitioner, a wife, a mother, and now I'm a social media thing as well. So I have way too many titles. There's way too many to go on. What brings me here is I am actually trying to get out the word of Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and therapies in a time where everybody needs it. Yes. I decided to try and get as much of that message out to tell people that there are things that can help them in as many ways as I possibly can. Excellent. <laughs> I love what you said. Uh, I'm now a social media thing. Yeah, because what are they? I have no idea. I'm not an influencer. I don't think I'm an influencer because I don't want to influence anybody. Because if it's, if I influence somebody and it goes bad, it's on my head. So I don't influence you. Don't do anything I say. <laughs> Just take information in and do what you want. <laughs> I don't influence people. And I don't get paid for anything. God, I wish I did. I get offered to pay for it, but I've been told not to be a sellout. Oh. So... Yeah, I got offered by TikTok to do their merchandise. And my kids said, don't do it. You're a sellout. Don't do it. So I'm not a sellout and I'm not paid for anything. I do this all for me, sort of. Wow. <laughs> I have, so I do a daily TikTok. And sometimes I do two or three daily TikToks, uh, which I then share them also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Next Door Neighbours app. Um, uh, YouTube as well. I have a YouTube channel with it. I don't think anybody even watches them or follows them, but I don't care. I'm still putting it out there. And it's about trying to get different messages out. Every day there's a different subject, a different topic. It's about therapy mostly, you know, whether they like it or not. A lot of it is about acupuncture. And um, the videos are mostly recorded here in my little clinic where I'm safe and I'm me in between patients. Um, so you'll, I will do some acupressure on there. I will talk about different therapies, break some myths. There'll be lots of people asking me the same questions. Nine times out of 10, I see so many new patients. They all ask the same questions. that They can't always Google because they just don't know. So, you know, how long's a needle? How long does it go in for? How does it feel? Um, how thick is a needle? Will it hurt? Other questions I'll often get asked is, how does it work? What do I do if I've got this condition? What do I press if I've got that condition? Um, something as simple as, what's gua sha? Everybody wants to know what gua sha is. They've heard of cupping. They haven't heard of gua sha. And then they want to know what's gua sha mean. And they're like, well, gua sha, asha, aka. It's like, gua sha. And 
It's simple things. Moxibustion. They're going to set you on fire. That scares the life out of them. But they don't realise moxibustion can be done in so many different formats. And once they've had treatments, they go away and tell everybody about these treatments. My pa- my practitioner set me on fire and I feel better. <laughs> you know, there's little things that they ask their therapist and it's great if they can come and see a therapist, but some people have those questions and that's holding them back from getting therapy because they're frightened. They're fearful of the unknown. And of course, this is Chinese, it's Oriental. It's still, although it's a medical practitioner thing, we are medical professionals doing a treatment. We still get lumped into this alternative therapies, holistic therapies, complementary therapies. But the biggest one that he keeps coming back to is alternative, because that's a throwback to the 70s, where anything that was different to Western medicine is alternate it's not we use a lot of these therapies now alongside medicine to take the pressure off the nhs but it's breaking those old thoughts and getting them to think of it in a different light that maybe we can help them not just a pharmacist even just lately the whole pharmacists have now been given powers to prescribe antibiotics wow even more people given antibiotics that aren't needed (laughs) you've got a chest cold come and get some massage come and get some guasha come and get some acupuncture come and get some aromatherapy and do not overwhelm your body with antibiotics that you don't need that are if you overwhelm it not going to work when you do need it because you've used it too much when you didn't need it but they need to do something and they need help because they do feel bad. And if they don't get some treatment, that cold is going to turn into pneumonia. And it is going to turn into the flu. And it is going to turn into a chest infection. And it is going to cause them problems and possibly land them in hospital. That's why they're chucking antibiotics, because if they don't do something, it's going to be a problem. But they're not offering the right things. And it's because they can't. We can. Come see us. And that's what my message is about. Yeah, and also, like we spoke in the initial chat, like we were talking about the cost of these treatments and stuff. You do do something a little bit different, don't you? I have low costs, which throws a lot of people. I mean, my costs are, a lot of practitioners go, how the hell do you get away with your costs? I try to do as low cost as possible and I give the most for possible. So I do multi-therapies within one treatment. Uh, if they have acupuncture and they need this, or the, I did a massage yesterday with moxibustion and I charged them £28 wow. for a back massage with moxibustion and we used oils as well in there to help them. And that was for COVID, post-COVID, twenty-eight. They had, they were here for 45 minutes having pure treatment. Their appointment slot was an hour and they had 45 minutes of pure treatment. We did some moxa, we did some washer, we did a little bit of light cupping. We used oils on them and they walked out just using massage, cupping, moxa and washer. That patient now can smell again, can taste again. 
has their energy back to the point they're now cycling. And that's not even acupuncture. That's other therapies. And I charge them eight, eight, uh, 28 pounds. And they actually have a block. Uh, so I do five of those massage appointments for 120. So I offer block bookings and I do discounts for the NHS. I do discounts for teachers, which surprises me. They have to prove they work in it. But I do an NHS discount. I do a teacher's discount. I do an emergency services discount. I do an armed forces discount. And that means they get five pounds off every treatment. I also do recommend a friend schemes. So for first time patients, if they were recommended, they get five pounds off their first treatment. The person that recommended them gets five pounds off their follow up treatment. Excellent. And that can rack up. So if they came in and said, Sarah recommended me, they get five pounds off that treatment. Sarah gets five pounds. But if two people came in, Sarah gets 10 pounds off. Oh, interesting. You become my advertising campaign. But more importantly, you go and tell people that it can help. Because people don't want to hear from me. Because they know full well the reason I'm telling you is because I want your custom. Yeah. But when you're telling them, you're not doing it because you want their custom. You're telling them because it might help them. You're communicating, you're talking, and you're communicating with somebody else, and you're having a conversation that is positive. And there is an incentive for both sides. Oh, that's excellent. I like what you're doing there, because you're getting people to have positive conversations, raising the vibration, and helping them out by, you know, by your services. Oh, my goodness, that's awesome. Well done, you. Well done. It's a pyramid scheme where everybody actually wins, and there is nobody at the top. Exactly. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Excellent. Okay, Nicola. So when we spoke initially, um, I, I wasn't aware where you trained or anything. But you haven't trained in total therapy, have you? For no. So tell us no. I actually trained at Lincoln University. I have a BSE honours degree, first class honours degree from Lincoln University, and I qualified in 2014. That was in the acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, prior to that, I trained with Lincoln College and I did a diploma level three in complementary therapies. Uh, that again was a full-time course as well. And that was full-time in person, five days a week. The same as my degree was that, but for three and a half years. That was hard work. Um, and then since then, I've done CPD courses, diploma courses in lots of other therapies as well. So how was it going to university to learn about traditional Chinese medicine? Um, interesting. Okay. We had some really fantastic tutors and they were Chinese. Uh, different areas of China as well, which was really interesting to see the different styles. And it was really interesting because one tutor would say, it's there. And the other one would go, no, 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 it's there. And then the other one would go, they're both wrong, it's there. And you go, okay, explain. And then they'd go, well, go to Peter Dedman, Manual of Acupuncture. He says it's there. And then the other one would go, go to Gianni Macchioso. He says it's there. And I'm like, so which one's right? And they go, neither. You want the yellow emperor? Oh, for God's sake. 
Well, why do I have the yellow emperor? Well, he's dead. Well, that ain't going to help me, is it? <laughs> like, Seriously, is it you, you or you? And they went, it's none of them. Every person's different. Oh, my word. And they were right, because no two bodies are the same. My thumb is not going to be the same size as a patient. And, of course, some, I'm like, but bloody hell, it's a son. And they went, thumb. I went, well, why do you write thumb? They went, because we're Chinese, that's how you write thumb. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm not Chinese, I'm English. I'm British, I speak English. Could you not just write that? And they went, no. You don't like it, go learn Chinese. Oh. So my kids bought me a book on learning Chinese. <laughs> I could not get on with it. I think what made it worse is that obviously we had some, I mean, one of our tutors was a heart surgeon and he was teaching the pathology. I loved him to pieces. Jason, he was wonderful, still is, and he's a fantastic acupuncturist as well. But he was always coming at things from a medical perspective. And then you had Henry, who would always come at things from a acupuncturist aspect. And they always sometimes didn't collide. And it was like, we are te teaching you all of this Western medicine. Now completely ignore all of that. It has absolutely no bearing on the Chinese medicine roots. But you have to know it to understand the Chinese medicine roots. But then you have to discard it to do the acupuncture but then bring it back in once you've got the acupuncture. And I was like, that first year, I was like, I've got the wrong place. I got accepted to do Chinese medicine herbal as well when I applied for my degree. And that was with Katie. And I, at times, I still think I should have done it. I so should have picked that one instead of this one. And I do think that's easier <laughs> than the acupuncture. But... Seeing what the acupressure can do, seeing what the acupuncture can do and all the therapies and how much we actually help people, I'm glad I do it. But learning it, I was constantly saying to my husband, can't get this, can't get this, I'm going to quit, it's awful, I can't get this, this is just too hard a concept to get. And there are so many different types of acupuncture as well. And we branched into so many. I mean, we were taught parts of five element, we were taught traditional Chinese acupuncture, the electro, the auricular therapy, all the diagnosis aspects. We were taught on to blood letter, prick to bleed. There were so many different therapies as well as the acupuncture that it was so overwhelming and you can't take it in. And then suddenly by year three, it's just like you're breathing. And you then go out and you get to your third year and you think, I've got to do this on my own. Nobody's going to be holding my hand. Can I take the tutors with me? Yeah, just call them up. And it's like when you leave, you're suddenly on your own into this big wide world and you're, you're this tiny, lowly little acupuncturist. Yeah, you've got a bit of paper and you've got your insurance and they say, now go do it. And you go, what if I kill someone? Yeah. My first thought is, what if I kill someone? Right. So part of me was like, my first six months, I wouldn't put a single needle in the chest. I was so petrified of giving someone a knee in the thorax that I thought, I can't puncture an internal organ if I don't stick any needles there. So I only used arms and legs, and I started getting really good results, better results there than I did when I was in uni, doing the backs and the arms and everything. I started thinking, why do I need to do that if I'm getting better results there? 
so I started studying more and I started doing dong acupuncture, which was a different style and learning more and more. And I did a couple of courses. I did Philip Weeks course on that. And the more I learned, the more I realized that I was growing as an acupuncturist. And actually, I was no longer fearing it. I'm always mindful, you know, we have to be careful with blood pressure, sugars, and we're always mindful of depth and bruising. And I'm mindful. I, I now need all the backs again, but only when I need to. Again, I maybe do four or five backs a year, and yet I treat back pain daily. But I don't put the needles in their back. Nine times out of ten, a patient comes in with crippling back pain, and they go, where are you putting the needles? I went, I'm not putting anything in your back. You're going to be in a nice seated position with a heated couch, and I'm going to put them in your arms and legs. Let them stay there for 30 minutes, relax everything, and then I'm going to take the pins out, turn you over, and do some massage on your back. They walk out pain-free, every wow. single one. Every single one walks out pain-free, and I tell them all the same thing. It's going to wear off. I don't know how long it's going to last, how long's a piece of string. Every single person is different. When it wears off, drop me a text message and we'll sort it out again. And that's exactly what they do. They're all in awe. And off they go and they talk to their friends. Hence my recommended friend scheme. But the idea is if it hurts there, don't stick a needle in it. It hurts there. If you want to stick a needle where it hurts, that's trigger point therapy and dry needling. That's a whole different ball game again. And we use it as RSHI acupuncture, which we was taught in uni. And I have used RSHI where necessary. But nine times out of ten, RSHI has its place. Distal acupuncture and TCM acupuncture and dong acupuncture and five element are so much better. Why is that then? Like, why would, like, so me? Because they treat the root. They don't treat the cause. They treat the underlying root. You have to think of your health. You have to think of it like an iceberg. It's the same idea with autism. If you look at a meltdown, you only see the top bit. That's not what took down Titanic. It was the stuff under the water that you couldn't see. And that's the bit that the TCM treats. That's what the acupuncture treats. Our she is only treating that top bit. What about all the bit underneath the water? That's the underlying root causes, and that's what they spent two years teaching me in university. The underlying roots and how to identify them. Now, somebody comes in, gives me a list of treatment, a uh, list of symptoms, and I'm already into patterns. And I'm trying to work out which one's the father, which one's the son, which one's the mother, which one's the daughter, and how they all interconnect. Is that causing that, or is that causing that, or how is it going? And they haven't even finished their symptoms. And then I've worked out, ah, that, that, that. Okay, we've got our patterns, and I will then read out what the natural symptoms are for that pattern. And they're going, well, yeah, I've got that, but I didn't tell you. And yeah, I've got that, and yeah, I've got that. And I'm like, ah, oh, there we go. Then we go with a protocol for those points. Problem solved. Awesome. And in every underlying pattern, there will be a mixture of local points and distal points, because it's telling you you need both. Some of the most powerful points on the meridians aren't where the pain is. They're at the start and the end. Because isn't that how we don't do a knot? You've got a piece of string that's all tangled. Don't go to the middle and try to undo it because you'll get in more of a trouble. Go to both ends and shake it. The knot comes free. You're joking. 
Try it. I'm going to have to try this now. <laughs> it's how it works. If you've got a tangle, go to the ends and shake it. The, the tangle will release. It's no different with your health. We have to remember the majority of people's complaints are blood stagnation, cheese stagnation. Things are not flowing. So let's go to the ends and make things flow. Clear the dredgers and everything will flow again. That's all I do. So do you have a speciality then, Nicola? I get asked that a lot. And when I start telling them a speciality, I realise my speciality is literally everything in half the kitchen sink. <laughs> so I don't think necessarily I do have a speciality. I have a few areas that I'm more, yeah, you, I get to do this, and a few areas I'm very, very good at. I don't do babies. It's not my thing. Um, I have a lovely practitioner who's nearby who... Her thing is women's health and specifically fertility. So when I get somebody coming and go, I want to get pregnant, I go, absolutely fantastic, wonderful, you pick pack punch and go see her. And they kind of look at me and go, what? Yeah, not my thing. You want help with your period, you want help with menopause, you want help with your woman's health, by all means, come and see me. You want to get pregnant? I'm okay with that, go for it, wonderful. Use acupuncture, even better but go see somebody who wants to work in that field. The thought of dealing with a late, it's not about dealing with them. The thought of actively trying to help somebody get pregnant and it not happening, that's a big responsibility that I don't want that responsibility. If it happened, I would be overjoyed for them, but if it didn't, I would also be gutted for them. And that's an emotional level that I don't need to deal with. And I'm not the right person to do it because I would literally, when I have somebody with me, I'm on their journey with them. And I, I can't deal emotionally with that level of journey because it's not suited to me. So I'd rather be honest with them and say, that isn't my speciality. I would like you to go with somebody that is their speciality. It's their passion. And they're the ones, if it's their passion, they're more likely to get really big results from it which means you're more likely to get your baby. For me, I'm going to get your period going. I'm good with that. I'm going to help you get through your menopause. I'm good with that. I don't want to help people get pregnant. And that's a personal preference. So I don't do fertility. I do child acupuncture. I do adult acupuncture. And I treat people of all ages. I tend to do a lot of musculoskeletal issues, a lot of arthritis, uh, a lot of stroke rehabilitation, MS, ME, Parkinson's, epilepsy, gout. I've got a few of them. Uh, <laughs> because of the area I'm in, it's largely retirees. So I do a lot of um, backs, shoulders, knees, hip joints, things like that because of the area I live in. Um, I do an awful lot of tradesmen as well because I'm very good with the massage side and they all talk to each other. So I get a lot of tradesmen through my door and I end up doing a lot of men's health then because I'm dealing with the tradesmen side of it. I have a passion for musculoskeletal. I have a passion for neurological, psychological, mental health, and I have a big thing for disabilities. So 
autistic spectrum disorders, neurodiverse, ADHD, OCD, um, schizophrenia, bipolar, PTSD, uh, anxiety, depression. I treat an awful lot of those areas, and that is a little bit of a passion of mine. Wow. Uh, because I can understand it. Yeah, we're going to go into that, but t tell me about acupuncture for, for schizophrenia and things like that. So this part, yeah, I've treated a few with bipolar, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, and one with Alice in Wonderland syndrome. That was an interesting one. Um, so when you're dealing with schizophrenia, again, there are some very pro good protocols already in the books. Giovanni is fantastic. His book on Psyche and TCM is wonderful. And a big part of it is that you've got to deal with it at certain times. So we can help with schizophrenia where they are regulated and it's to help keep their anxiety down because the more anxious and stressed they become, the louder the voices become. And also, if you're going to work with schizophrenia, you must be working with psychotherapists and psychiatrists. So when I take on a patient with mental health disorders, specifically bipolar, I insist they are medicated. And we work with them. I do not insist they to stop taking their medications. In fact, if I even suspect that they have stopped taking their medications, I already have a protocol to call. When I take them in, we discuss about taking on a proxy. And in the event that they may have a lapse, who would I contact? And they give me an emergency contact that has already been prearranged that if I am concerned about the fact that they may be in a bipolar, um lapse and that they may be in what we call a meltdown type of situation where they may need intervention i have somebody i can already call that can be a doctor it can be a friend it can be a family member but that is agreed during my consultation with them if they don't agree to that i don't agree to treat because if I am concerned about their mental health and that they could be a risk to themselves or to others, I need somebody I need to contact. And I do the same with um, PTSD. And I also do the same with schizophrenia. So I'm not frightened to treat these people, but I do put very strict protocols into place before I treat for their well-being as well as my own as a practitioner. And where possible, I ensure that they have done some therapy or they're still within therapy. And sometimes that can be getting them the right therapist. A lot of the time they've been with psychiatrists, which have done nothing but trigger them. They need to be with psychotherapists, which is completely different, and sometimes with counsellors. And they are able to regulate them on emotional side so that they are dealing with the uh, psychiatry aspect. And I am dealing with the emotionals. I am dealing with the physical because a lot of the times if they are schizophrenic, often any form of pain will trigger the situation worse. And if they have muscle aches and body pain and they've been struggling, that's going to trigger them worse as well. So it's a multifaceted approach. It isn't a singular approach. It's not just one person's dealing here there will be a team involved with that person. So do you work closely with the, the psychiatrists you know, the the and things like that? 
I work a lot with private therapists and I'm more than happy to work within the NHS and work with their own GPs and their own therapists. And we've had a couple of them in this area that have happily worked with me and some that won't. It's hit and miss. You never know. Some you will get that will quite happily go, yeah, anything that they can get to help their well-being, yeah, it's all part of a team, go for it. And others will go, well, they're not NHS, so they won't. Again, it's personal preference on who will and who won't. Some of the teams, obviously, it depends. If they're okay in the community and they're fine, they're more likely. If they're needing in-house treatment, they're not going to be working with private therapists. And what are the what successes have you had with what uh, mental health disorders? Um, well, the pain's gone, their emotions are lowered, their anxiety is improved, and they found that their overall well-being is improved. Um, they are still with their medications because a lot of them will need those medications for life but they found that they could go on to a lower dose, which was, again, beneficial because some of these medications have side effects. And that's another reason they come to me. Rather than quit the meds, which isn't in their best interest for some people, they continue their meds, but we deal with the side effects. So all, like you say, it all works together in a holistic sort of, wow. I didn't know that. That's blown my mind a little bit. I didn't realise that you could do all of that with mental health. There's a area of mental health. I mean, depression, one of the things we do, so I do acupuncture here with them, and then I will send them home with ear seeds, and they will continue the treatment at home. So when they're getting those low thoughts, they can push a seed, and we teach them breathing techniques while they're pushing the seed. So they've got two aspects then. They are doing sensible breathing with the ear seed. So when they're anxious, we can do the ear seeds, and that can make such a difference. We've also got magnets we can send them home with, and I put them, and I actually teach them how to put them on different acupuncture points around their body. And again, it's about mindful breathing. But it's using EFT which is emotional tapping, that's acupressure. Yeah. All EFT is acupressure points. It, I've had, I've met so many people that, well, I'm qualified in EFT and I and you tick here and you tick here. And I'm like naming every single one of the acupuncture points. And they're like, well, yeah. And they'll go, well, but, but that's why it works because it's EFT. And I'm like, it's acupressure. <laughs> But, but it's EFT, it's this whole thing. And I'm like, it's acupuncture. You've stimulated a point. Acupuncture literally means stimulation, puncturing an acupuncture point. Acupressure, auricular therapy, they're all the same thing. <laughs> Even reflexology is a form of acupressure. One of the biggest things we use in reflexology is the solar plexus. And the solar plexus deals with the whole of the well-being of the body. It's kidney one. <laughs> like, seriously, you couldn't make it up. When I was learning, because obviously I'd done all my therapies before I did my degree, and we got learning the acupuncture points, and I'm going through and going, that's kidney one. And when we're doing reflexology on the hands, Heart nine. Oh, wait, hold on. Heart nine is your solar plexus. 
Oh. It's all linked. It's the same thing. Your human body is an anatomy and it is a mind map of acupuncture points. Our body naturally will touch it. How many of us, when we're feeling nervous, do this? Yeah. And so, what are we rubbing? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> Naturally do it when we're nervous. Or we rub around the thumbs. And when we're when we're grieving, when we're struggling, when we go to funerals, we often see them doing this. Lung nine. Oh, nine grief. Yeah. <laughs> do we naturally go to it? And when we're feeling worried, we'll often do this one. When we're feeling anxious, when you see them feeling anxious, you'll often see them doing this. And they're holding their hands like this. And they're doing this when they're anxious a lot. And they're hyperventilating. They hold themselves like this. Well, they're actually touching P6. I'm touching it. It's giving me goosebumps. <laughs> How many of us, when we're rubbing our neck up here, oh, I've got such a tight neck and it really hurts. Three guesses which ones you're going for up there. Gallbladder 20, Valio. <laughs> Valio, gallbladder 21, gallbladder 20. Oh, tight neck. Oh. But is that not just another form of acupressure? Yes. So you're already naturally doing it. You just didn't give it a name. It's crazy. Us human beings are crazy, aren't we? <laughs> the body is mapped out. It's been there for thousands of years. We just now know the names, but it's only a few select of us that do. Yeah. <laughs> but my job, I what I plan to do and what I am doing is getting the message out there so that there'll be more people in the in crowd. Yes. I want to get more people to see the pleasures, the treasures of acupuncture and train in it. Yeah. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could all so it could become more mainstream? Yeah. The major problem in the UK right now, probably in the world as well, but in the UK. There are not enough doctors. There are not enough nurses. There are far too many people and everybody's ailing and they're living longer. So they're ailing even more. And there is a major gap in the whole market to help people. That's exactly what we all do. Yeah. yeah. So rather than send them back to their pharmacist, who are also now complaining that the GPs are giving out their rights to um, prescriptions and they're putting more work on a pharmacist's shoulders and there aren't many pharmacists around either there's a few of us let's get more people training only last year I ended up at a high school career fair and everyone goes why on earth did you go to a high school career fair and the first words I said is why not why aren't we already there why aren't we showing kids that there is a different career path for them if they want it? You're giving me goosebumps, you are. people that actually train in acupuncture are over the age of 40. It's a second career for a lot of them. And they do it for maybe 20 years and retire, some 30 years. I intend to do this until I die. I'm going to be 80, 90 years old and still doing this because why not? But the thing is, on my degree, I was one of the youngest ones on there, and I was 30. There was only two people on that course younger than me, and neither of them are still practicing this day. Interesting. Yep. Wow. And 
one of them was through ill health and one of them, I don't think he really wanted to do it. So it really opened my eyes that we need more people to train. Because it doesn't appeal to a younger audience. So let's make it appeal. And the way to make it appeal to a younger audience is social media, which is exactly what I'm doing. So how you're doing that is through TikTok, isn't it? I think that's it's important. easier to do it on TikTok. It's so much easier because what I do is I make a daily, I pre-record my videos. It's so much easier. I've done two this morning. Um, so I will pre-record the videos and have them sat there in my drafts. And then I just literally go on every morning, upload one. And then once it's uploaded there, it saves naturally to my phone. So I can then move it and put it on any of the others. And I pick and choose which one I use it on. So anything that's uh, professional-wise, um, say it's about an awareness day, acupuncture treats this condition, I will go and put the post on TikTok and I'll do it on Instagram and I do it on YouTube. They're the only three that have all the videos. They're the only three that have all the videos. Uh, anything business-wise, acupressure, things like that, tend to go on my next-door neighbor app. Anything, uh, and they also will go on my Facebook business page. Anything more fun, uh, just day-to-day -day autism, things like that, I tend to put more on my personal Facebook account. And obviously, I'm not going to put my next-door neighbor app. Sometimes I mix and match and put all sorts out on Twitter, random. Um, but my LinkedIn, so I take that awareness page and instead of putting the video on LinkedIn, I will go and find an actual study that shows acupuncture will treat that condition or I will find a charity of that condition that endorse acupuncture and that's the link I share on LinkedIn. Amazing. So professionals can literally see, not just am I saying it, here is your evidence. I like that strategy. It's very good strategy. What is uh, my next door neighbor app? Never heard of that. <laughs> so that's a new one, and it's coming out, it's becoming more and more popular, actually. It's an app that's on anything, and it's just called My Next Door Neighbor. And it has all neighborhoods and local events, and you add your neighbors, and then it adds people who live in your area. And you can sign up to it, you can claim your business on there. And you can put your own little things. There's groups. There's a little marketplace. Essentially, it's like a Facebook, but purely for the little area you live in. So it's a wonderful <laughs> little app, and it works really, really well. Other new, and it's just search next door, and that's it. It's called the next door neighbor app. So if you want to go into the app store, look for it. One second. Yeah. Search. You search in next door. I got it. Oh, wow. Thank next you for door, that. Neighbor app. And, awesome. it's thing and it discovers your local neighborhood. So you can buy on there, sell on there, advertise on there, wine on there, ask for recommendations on there. It's becoming much more up and coming. It's been around now since uh, about 2020. So I think it was launched during the whole COVID thing a bit. And um, I've been putting things out on there as well. And I have patients come to me from there because yes. they see the videos and they're connecting. It's incredible. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. Okay. So I want to get into something that's a little bit personal now, but it is, right. 
we're on the we're on the path because you're raising awareness for acupuncture. So you mentioned it a few times, and uh, you, you fight for autism. Explain all of that to us, Nicola. So the reason I fight for autism is because it's not that there isn't enough people out there fighting for autism. There's loads of people fighting for autism. It's become very mainstream. And obviously now some people even say you shouldn't call it autism. It's neurodiverse. There's so many different labels. It's autistic spectrum disorder, autism, Asperger's, uh, neurodiverse, neurodivergent. There's so many names. We'll call it autism. I have Asperger's. Now, obviously, there are negative connotations with that label, but that is what I was diagnosed with. And I have a husband on the spectrum who has PDA, which is pathological demand avoidance, which when we were diagnosed, we'd never even heard of it. Half the population had never even heard of it. Um, It was originally named it was not discovered it was not first diagnosed it was named by a woman called elizabeth newson in mansfield in nottinghamshire she know she did a lot of study with different types of children on the spectrum and found that some of them although they were on the spectrum they were different they were at the other end of the spectrum so if you literally thought of asperger's here and autism here and asperger's and autism are different so if you thought of them here PDA is all the way over there. Okay. So this this little party of autism and Asperger's, which are autistic spectrum disorders, blah, 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 they are all about routine. Absolutely 100% black and white routine. This is my routine. Don't mess with me. This is how I like things. Don't mess with me. Don't forget, I need to be prepared for what you're about to do. Every single step. Very um, army-fied, very regimented, very routine. Every single step of the way needs to be prepared for everything. There will be sensory deficits. There will be life deficits. There will be learning deficits. There will be sociality deficits. And everything can be learned, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of repetition constantly. And they will have lots of routines. They'll have obsessional behaviors, which is really just sensories. Um, But this is this side. Then you have that side. (laughs) That side can't have a routine. But they need a routine. So it's really hard. They have all that anxiety that this side would have if there's no routine in place because they need structure. But at the same time, they'll actively avoid your structure. Because they don't want your structure, because they don't like your structure, because they hate structure, but they do need it. (laughs) But they're going to rebel against your structure unless you put that structure in without them realising they're rebelling. I see. If you can put the structure in place without actually upsetting their system, then they don't rebel and they accept. But it can't be a demand. So with this group, oh, and they also have the social difficulties, they have the learning difficulties, they have the sensory issues. So they have all the other bits that go with it, the mirage of um, deficits. This side, I need you to do this. Once we have done this, we are then going to do this. Once we have done this, we are then going to do this. Here is the time frame for the entire thing. Are you okay with that? Brilliant. Let's start with this. That's how you deal with this side. 
I'm going to have a quiet talk with myself. I want them to do this. I want them to do this. I want them to do this in this time still. Brilliant. Got it sorted in my head. How am I going to achieve this? I'm going to do that, that, and that. Brilliant. This one. How am I going to do that? I'm going to do that, that, and that. This one. How am I going to do it? That, that, and that. Okay. I've had a little chat with myself. I know what I'm going to do. Now it's time to talk to them. Okay. I'm thinking I want to do this today. But I might do that today or I might do that today. I don't know. I really need to do one of these three things today, but I don't know. Can you give me an idea what you think it would be good for me to do today? Oh, you think it'd be good to do that? Yeah, but how do I do that? Oh, you do that. Oh, maybe we should try that. And off they go. <laughs> Welcome to PDA. Right. I have to be three or four steps ahead. And this is the thing. I don't just have my husband oh. has that. My middle one has that. <laughs> my youngest have both. Oh, my goodness. So I have three adults on the spectrum now. One with PDA, one with Asperger's, one with both. Wow. So how do you, as someone with autism... Oh, sorry, Asperger's, sorry. How do you deal with this? Deal with it. ASD, somebody on the spectrum, they're advised first. How do I deal with it? I go to work. <laughs> <laughs> Helping people is my passion. It's my obsession. It's what I do. So I suppose I go to work and I hide. But at the same time, my kids are now adults. So that's made a big difference. When the children were little, I couldn't work easily we tried we tried many different ways but I needed to be there for them now obviously my eldest doesn't live with me anymore my middle one's off at university I've only got the youngest at home and they're off at college so my time is a lot more freer now that I'm not needed as much I'm still needed I'm still doing distal support only yesterday I was writing a letter for one of them and today I'm doing x y and z but it is what it is but I think being on the spectrum meant that I was able to cope with them better. I dread to think what I'd have been if I'd been normal. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd have been able to cope because half of their difficulties, I truly understand them because they were my difficulties. Yes. But I wasn't diagnosed as a child. I was diagnosed after my children. Both me and my husband were. How does that work then? Like, what did you did you just both think like there's something not right? Here? No, the doctors did. <laughs> okay, so my eldest was diagnosed, then the middle one, then the youngest. When the youngest was diagnosed, they started going, "Ah, uh, okay, we've got something going on. We've got three kids, all three are on the spectrum, two different types in one family. I mean, yeah, you can sometimes get one or two children on the spectrum, but all three. Two different genders, two different types. This is unusual. So they started looking deeper. Genetics, they were looking at me. They were looking at my husband, our backgrounds, our history. And we ended up being diagnosed with two different types. One from the mum, one from the dad. So, so right, this is blowing my mind again, right? So are you saying then that a lot of people, like our generation, like, you know, that are old people, like, are we walking around undiagnosed? Yes. There is a hell of a lot getting diagnoses now. 
as adults because it was not known, especially females. The thing that you expect to see is autism with a global transient delay, which essentially is a little boy, five years old, screaming, nonverbal, not able to cope, not able to manage, not learning anything, no, um, no way of moving forward, lost in their own little world, having meltdowns. All If you look at the DSM-5, lining up toy cars, that's actually written in the DSM-5, lining up toy cars. Not everybody plays with toy cars. It can be as simple as things like standing on tiptoes. I didn't reach my milestones. We often, they may be mute, but actually they may just be delayed to talk. Or they may be very quick to talk, but actually when you listen, they don't use the language appropriately. Sometimes the words you think, was that the right word? Was you really meaning to say that? And you didn't mean to say that, but you thought that word meant that, so you said it because it sounded right. Because you've copied your language too quickly from your siblings, from your peers, from everybody else around you. You haven't learned how to use it effectively in the same way they would. You've just mimicked them like a parrot. But because you have language, it wouldn't have been thought of that you was autistic. Lots of people will realise they have a weird aunt or uncle somewhere in their timeline that's a bit different, a bit odd, a bit weird, that maybe had mental health problems, that maybe struggled socially or struggled with their well-being, their emotions, didn't really care about their appearance. Hoarders. A lot of them are on the spectrum, but they were born in a time where that knowledge isn't there. And even to this day, it is really hard still to get a child diagnosed. Did you know the diagnosis process in the UK can take anywhere between two and eight years? The older you are, the longer it takes. And that's if you stay within the NHS. If you go private, it's normally anywhere between six months and three years, and that's private. And a, a diagnosis in the UK private will cost you anywhere up to 2,000 upwards. And do you know the protocol that they still use is based on a five-year-old little boy? And I'm not a five-year-old little boy. I'm a grown woman. And because I can do this, they would say, well, you're not autistic. This is called surface sociability skills. Right now, I'm talking to you very comfortably, very happily. I'm in my own environment. I'm in my own clinic right now wearing my glasses. If you see, my glasses are actually tinted. That is because lights hurt my eyes. I'm not giving you eye contact. I'm not even looking at the camera. I'm actually currently looking over there. I've been checking over there. I've been all over the place because I find that a bit easier. And when I'm looking at patients, I actually look here or I look here because then it looks like I'm giving them eye contact, but I actually don't have to meet their eye, which makes it more comfortable for me. Surface sociability skills isn't about talking about the weather, which people assume, oh, I can say, have a chat with you about the weather, therefore I've got surface sociability. Surface sociability means that you can hold a conversation with somebody about something that interests you. But when they try to change the subject to something about somebody else, they struggle. When it becomes a conversation about you personally, your likes, your dislikes, and things like that, your struggle. 
when it becomes something where you've actually got to pick up on social cues, you struggle. So things like knowing when to stop, knowing when to start, knowing turn-taking. Turn-taking in talking is very hard, especially for people on the spectrum. We interrupt. I'm a bugger for it. I will interrupt. I can't always help it because I don't always know when am I meant to come in. If I'm in a group of people, this is not who you will see. In a group of people, I'll sit there because I don't know when I'm meant to. I will listen to everything, but when do I come in? Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, uh, uh. If you get me in a classroom, sometimes I will want to ask question. Uh, uh, oh, they've not picked up. So I'll sit quietly and my question won't get asked. I will then email them. So as confident as you see me here, take me outside of a comfort zone. Here, I'm the boss. I'm in control. There is no boss here. I couldn't work with a boss. I don't play well with others. <laughs> I am comfortable in this situation. In here, I'm in control. So I have no anxiety in here because everything in here is me. It's set to me. It's my place. I built this place from this ground up. I decorated it. I organized it. Everything is in my place. But I used to share this building originally with another practitioner. And I used to have an anxiety attack before I'd even walked in the door every single day because I didn't know what I was walking into. What if they'd rearranged the furniture? What if things weren't done? And I would have about three meltdowns and two anxiety attacks before my first patient had even walked in the door. But when that patient walks in the door, switch, I can turn it off. That's a gift and a curse because that's not my well-being. I turned it off because now it's time to play the role. People on the spectrum put a very good mask on. They play the role. My role is practitioner. Practitioner doesn't show their emotions. Practitioner doesn't do that. Practitioner treats. So I treat. And when I go home, I'm exhausted and I sleep well that night. I toss and turn, but my husband will say, oh, you've had a tough day. Yeah. And then he'll tell me all about his tough day because he hasn't. he's able to tell me He's able to pick up that I've had a bad day, but he isn't able to continue that any further. And that's because he has poor social surface sociability. He can't make deeper connections and he can't do that first bit. He can identify a bit, but he doesn't know what to do with the fact that I will say, yes, I've had a bad day. So he'll just switch off and move on. And you'll often find that with people on the spectrum. They will identify a bit and then it's like it didn't matter. And people go, well, they don't care. It isn't that they don't care. My husband, I asked him once, why don't you do more? And he went, I don't know what to do. He didn't tell me what to do, so I don't do anything, because if I don't do anything, I can't get it wrong. But this is exactly what happens with autism. So they then get told that they have no empathy. I'm hyper-empathetic. I've gone the other way. Seriously, I'm up here in empathy. But the one person I have no empathy towards is myself. Whereas my son has zero empathy. But the one person he is the most empathetic to is himself. Opposite ends. He is really empathetic for himself and it's all about him. I've given my whole life to everybody else. We're complete opposites. Or that they have no sense of humour. Christ, my eldest, well, all of mine have a fantastic sense of humour. They have a much better sense of humour than me. I have no sense of humour. I don't always get the joke. I can't get. 
<laughs> but theirs, they have a hyper sense of humor. We all have hypo and hypersensitivities in different areas. We all have some deficits. We all have some pros. We're still people. But I understand it. And that, I think, helps me as well to be able to put out these videos because what the doctors tell you when you have a person diagnosed is wrong, completely and utterly wrong. You're incredible. So, Nicola, because we, we've come to the end of it, you know, it's been, it's been a long time. How can people find you and follow you and get all this inspiration? <laughs> the business name is what you need, and the business name is Points of Interest. All of my things are Points of Interest. So. Yes, cool. It's got a Z. So you remember, it's P-O-I-N-T-Z of interest. It's all about the Zs because I like sharp, pointy things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got to say thank you so much. It's like somebody you're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's all right. I mean, you're, you're not part of Total Therapy. Like, you've just come through the woodworks. And you're incredible. You're awesome. You stand for so much. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually blown away speaking to you today. I have too many passions. They're all obsessions. And I enjoy what I do. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> okay, Nicola. Well, thank you so much for all your help today. I am following you. I've followed you since we had that little chat. So I'm going to be watching your video. Hopefully they don't look too bad. <laughs> no, no, it's incredible. It's incredible. But thank you ever so much, Nicola. Um, I wish you all the best. Um, especially when you keep helping people. That's all I can do. You keep on with the good work. Thank you very much. And maybe we'll, we'll speak again soon. Who knows? Definitely. <laughs> Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.